publishing a board game brings together all sorts of different fields and areas of expertise, design and art and playtesting and marketing and manufacturing and shipping and more. But, but what about spirituality? Does board game publishing ever intersect with matters of the spirit or philosophy or religion? And if so, where? Today we are thrilled to welcome board game designer and publisher Jamie Stegmeier to discuss board games, board game publishing, and spirituality. On this episode of Board Game Faith, the bi-weekly show exploring the intersection of religion, spirituality, and board games. Our, that's our little uh, our little intro ditty, Jamie. <laughs> so I love the um, ditty and, and the introduction. Thank you, Dana. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Well, yeah. Well, Jamie, first off, welcome to Board Game Faith. We are so happy and delighted to have you here. I'm happy to be here too. Happy to be talking to you. I I know Kevin's not feeling well today, but uh, but I appreciate you still making the time to talk to me. Oh, absolutely. We're, we're just delighted. Yes, for regular ris- listeners of our show, you may notice that Kevin is missing. Kevin Taylor is the co-host. Kevin is feeling under the weather this morning. And so, um, we, Kevin, uh, we miss you. We, we hope you're feeling better soon. And, um, and Kevin said, just carry on without him. So we will, we will, we will try to do that. I'll try to, I'll try to muddle through on the tech side of things. He usually handles that, but, but we will be good. We will be good. Um, so, so Jamie, we are um, grateful on the show. We have a lot of wonderful listeners, some kind of from the board game side of things, some from kind of the spirituality, religion side of things. Um, just by way of introduction, would, would you mind just telling our, our listeners a little bit about yourself, please? Yeah, um, I guess my, my board game background is that from a very young age, uh, I, I played a lot of games. I also started designing games for fun as a little kid. And then around 10, almost 11 years now ago, I decided to put a game on Kickstarter called Viticulture. And that unexpectedly launched a new career for me. At the time, it was just a hobby. And it has become a career where I now run a company called Stillmeyer Games full time. We're probably best known for Wingspan, if any listeners are out there mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. are maybe board game adjacent. Um, those mm-hmm. in the hobby probably know us best from Scythe or Viticulture. Um, that's the board game side. I mean, I know we're going to go into the spiritual side and some other personal stuff, uh, which I'm completely open to. But I'll, I'll, I'll let you lead where you where you want that to go. No, that's great. That's great. Thank you. And and um, and you uh, also create a lot of content about the board gaming world too, as well, on on, on YouTube and through your website. And and um, we'll um, we want to ask you to share how people can find you later on um, at the end of the episode. But just to lift up that content as well, uh, I know I and a lot of other people out there too find the, the content that you put out kind of reflecting on board games and favorite mechanisms and the design process. Really helpful stuff. If any of our listeners are interested in that, just ch- check that out. Um, I appreciate you highlighting that. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, yeah, I have a, a blog on the Stillmeyer Games website that is about crowdfunding and entrepreneurship. It's my way of hopefully adding value to other creators who maybe can avoid some of the mistakes that I've made and here's some of the, the, the insights that I've had throughout the process. And then I have a YouTube channel about game design where I generally share my favorite mechanisms about games. So I try to keep it positive. I'm not a reviewer. I just get to 
talking about game mechanisms that I really enjoy and share my love for for a vast variety of games on that channel. Yeah, yeah, that's it's great, and and that that uh, that that positivity really makes the videos a a, a joy to watch. So thank you for Thanks. for sharing those. And you are uh, we're talking about before, before we started the show. At least as of now, you're you didn't grow up a Missourian, but you're a Missourian now. And we were comparing Missouri notes. You're out in St. Louis. I'm in Columbia, <laughs> and uh, I. Um, um, I share with you before we went on air. You, you make me Missouri proud in terms of the board game <laughs> world and and such great games coming out of out of Missouri. Certainly, um, yeah, um, yeah, a lot of great games that um, we're we're, we're uh, um, thankful for Stonemar putting out. Um, so yeah, so you mentioned games that you played as a kid. Would you mind if I ask what yeah. what did you play growing up? Yeah, um, some of the games I played as a kid, uh, some like really old classics. Like uh, like chess, uh, Millborn played Scotland Yard, yeah. Key to the Kingdom, which recently got a completely new reboot of that game that I that I also enjoy. Um, I played a little bit of Magic the Gathering when I was a, a teenager, and uh, yeah, th and, and Risk played some quite a bit of Risk when I was a kid too. Yeah, okay. And was this was this kind of like a like a were these like family activities or more with your friends or how, who were you playing with growing up? Yeah, it was a combination of the two. I, I had uh, some some good friends from a young age that we played a lot of games with, but also as a family, it was definitely a family activity. I uh, my my dad, and my mom have, have been together my whole life, and I, I have a sister who's one year younger and a brother who's five years younger. And just for context, I guess for people who are listening, I'm 42, so I was born in 1981, um, before I would say maybe the advent of modern board gaming. But there were some good games back then, and we had some good quality family time playing them together. May I ask, do you, do you still have opportunity to play with family sometimes, or? Uh, sometimes, yeah, I'm, yeah. as you said, I'm in Missouri now. Uh, I yeah. grew up in Virginia, and my mom, uh, my dad passed away last year. My mom and my brother and sister, their families are within around 10 minutes of my mom. They both ventured out into different parts of the country, but they all came back to Virginia. And so when I visit home, I play games with my mom, with my nieces, my nephews, my, my brother, my brother-in-law. I love doing that. Um, but we don't play remotely very much. So it's only when I go back home or when they come here that, that I okay. play games with them. Okay. Yeah. All right. Did and you play I'm, games growing up as a kid? You know, I, I did. I did. Um, I, um, I think in retrospect, I played games that um, probably weren't quite as, as big name, um, but they weren't, they weren't like really the hobby board games either of, of the day. Um, like Avalon Hill, nothing like, like that. Um, I mean, of course I played Monopoly. But uh, the kid, the, the two games I got that I have the fondest memories of as a child are um, there's one called um, Bonkers. I think it was called Bonkers. It was um, okay. It was I think it was just like a roll and roll and move like so many games were back then. Um, and uh -huh. then there was another one. I think it was called Dungeon Dice. Dungeon Dice. Okay. Um, where you roll dice into like this um, plastic um, dungeon. And, uh, uh -huh. and then there were cards that you played that simulated like you're digging a tunnel out of out of the dungeon. And mm. I just have oh, and superstition was another fun one too. It's, okay, these were very kind of tactical. Yeah, do you know superstition or yeah, 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 exactly. um, yeah. So yeah, they were they were a lot of fun. Um, um, and and certainly mostly with my family too. So uh -huh. yeah, thank you for. Nice. Thank you for asking. We've recently discovered Bandito, and and that also has a similar oh. mechanism of putting cards together to dig tunnels out. And so anyway, it's been nostalgic for me. Nice. Um, 
So yeah, yeah. Thank you. So then, how how would you say have you changed have you changed as a board gamer? Did did you at what point did you get interested in kind of a hobby board game world? Yeah. Um, it was so I in my twenties. I continued to play games throughout my whole life. Like in college, I played a lot of hearts with friends. After college, I hosted a weekly poker night for many years, just a very low stakes poker night. And then Euro, modern Euro games started to creep into my life in, in a very good way, like starting with Catan. And uh, for a while, we just played Catan. We just played Catan for, for a couple of years. And then the next game was Agricola, and we just played Agricola for, for years. It's, it's very different than how my gaming hobby is now, because now I play so many new to me games. I often play many games just one time and just kind of learn from it and, and move on with the designer mindset. Whereas back then I was, we were just playing that one game over and over again. And that was, right. that brought me joy too, that we had a lot of yeah. fun with that. Did you have that yeah, experience yeah. In, in your gaming career where you just like focused on one game for a while? That's a great question. You know, I, I, I don't think as much because um, I really I, I got away from board games for for a while for a long time actually mm -hmm. from about high school through just about five or ten maybe about five or six years ago and uh -huh. um, and so when I got back in five or six years ago um, I did play a lot of Dominion that was the game that really kind of oh, got yeah. me into back into the hobby again and uh, yeah. so we did play a lot of that but then um, I, I pretty quickly discovered like oh there are all these other amazing board games. <laughs> but I think by, by that point, you know, there was already a pretty well-developed, you know, uh, content creator universe on the internet. And so I was watching all these videos and wanting to try all these new games. And But yeah, I guess yeah. Dominion would probably be the main one that I've played um, more than any other in terms of the modern hobby board games. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, one thing that Kevin and I often like to talk about, or we seem to get into on this show, is that the uh, the distinction, and it may be a false distinction. Our our previous guest, uh, Reverend Alice Connor, kind of questioned whether it's a real distinction or not. Between what that's often maybe between kind of Euro games and the kind of the American mm. trash thrash sort of games. And um, Kevin um, uh, tends to enjoy more of the uh, kind of the American trash thrash. I still don't know what to call it. And then um, and I'm kind of more Euro side. But is that a, is that a distinction that's even mattered to you over that you even think about in terms of the games that you like or play or not or. You know, I, I try to be self-aware of it because it does impact my designs and my publishing decisions. I try to yeah. stay attuned and, or yeah, attuned to what I enjoy, what I enjoy spending time on, and also what I think the market is enjoying. But the, yeah. the market is so many people now that there really isn't one market. There are many different types of gamers and not every game can appeal to all of them. So. Uh, yeah. It often comes back to, hey, what, what do I want to spend my time on? What, what right. do I want to play a lot? Or what do I want to think about a lot? And for me, most of that are, ends up being Euro games where I have a, with a key differentiating factor being that I have a lot of agency over the decisions that I make. I have a lot of control over the decisions I make in the game. Not necessarily always their outcomes, not always the, the input, the, the random cards that I might see in a game, but the decisions I make, I have control over. Right, yeah. right. So is it fair to say, yeah, the games, especially where there's less luck or at least mechanisms for mitigating the luck are games that especially appeal to you at both as a gamer and a designer? Maybe, for the most part. I don't part, put words in your mouth. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that, that is for the most part true. Although I have found um, uh, that I really love push your luck games. 
And I think with those, kind of, I'm opting into luck and deciding, do I want to stop now that I have something decent or do I want to push a little bit farther in the hopes of getting something better? I really like that decision point in games. Uh, even yeah. though it's fully luck on that, you know, a final roll of the dice, that is luck. But if I chose to roll those dice, that's fun for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that is, the, the, yeah, that is, that is thrilling. The, the, the push your luck yeah. experience in games. And yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you. So, well, yeah, well, thanks for sharing a little bit about your kind of gaming background. So, yeah, why don't mm-hmm. we shift a little bit kind of more toward kind of philosophy, spirituality, religious practices. Um, yeah. Yeah. If, if you don't mind, please just share a little bit. How, how would you characterize your background in terms of, of that sphere, that realm? Yes. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely it's definitely changed quite a bit over the years. I grew up Catholic. My, my both my, my mom and my dad are Catholic. They grew up Catholic and um we went to church every Sunday. We prayed together before meals. And um, I, was, I was baptized, I was confirmed, I had my first communion in the Catholic Church. And uh, then I went, to, uh, I went to college. I went to college here in St. Louis, Washington University. And mm-hmm. on the first day of, of college, I needed to find a work-study job to help pay for the tuition. And the, the job that I found was at the Catholic Student Center on campus, which is, Washi was not a, um, not a religious school, but they're a school that allows any religion to be associated with it. And so they have, uh, they have a, a, a Jewish center, they have, a, they have a, um, a, a, a Catholic church that's linked to the school, but not directly. It, it's a weird association. Um, okay. But yeah, yeah, I ended up working for all four years, um, except for a year, a year abroad at, uh, the, at the Catholic Student Center as a work-study student. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Let me ask, what did your work there entail? Oh yeah, um, the work was not particularly religious. It was a lot of data entry. I was uh, okay. helping the priest with technology stuff. The, the priest loved having the new, the new gadget, and so I was always helping him set up the new whatever the new gadget at the time was. I think back then it was Blackberries, and then eventually it was iPhones and things like that. Right, um, right. But I mentioned that I think partially the reason I mentioned that is that I think because of that connection. Um, I did end up going to church throughout college as well. Every every Sunday I would go to church. I went to a, thru, a few retreats through that church. I'm not exactly sure in hindsight if that would have happened if I hadn't had that work-study job, but mm-hmm. I ended up meeting some great people and, and uh, generally enjoying that experience throughout college. Great, great, great. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Yeah. And then you mentioned um, kind of how things have maybe changed over the years. Have you seen um, kind of a a change in in your own understanding about kind of philosophically spiritual spiritually in terms of and and I ask that only to um, uh, to uh, um, uh, to explore that with 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 happiness and joy that that uh, of um, yeah I I think the story of how people kind of uh, change and grow and evolve over the course of their lives um, is is a delightful thing and just yeah have you experienced how would you characterize that in your life? Has, has it pretty much been the same for you most of your life, or have you have you seen yourself change or grow in ways? Well, so there, there's there is a turning point that happens um, a few years after that, maybe around ten years after that, really. Um, yeah. And we can talk about how I, I think this my religious slash spiritual experience has, has hopefully shaped I think my company, the way I act as a person as a publisher. I think yeah. for the better. Um, that is the now. The thing that happened in between, and I say this truly without judgment um, for, yeah. for anyone who've gone, who's gone through a religious journey in any way, but 
I mentioned this church that, that was on the WashU campus. I had a job for about four years after college that was completely unrelated. I think I continued to go to church from time to time then, maybe every Sunday. It was a while ago. I don't have a good memory. But after that job ended, I ended up getting a job at this Catholic Student Center at WashU as their director of operations. And so okay. not on the religious side of things at all, but I was, I was managing the staff, I was managing the, managing the facility, a big fundraising event. And so everything was contributing to the church itself. And I was then very much going to church every Sunday. Um, yeah. And often even more than that, because they had services on Tuesdays and Fridays. I would, I, would, I would go way more than I had ever imagined going to church. The tipping point that I found, um, I mean, part of it is that working at a church, I think you sometimes see things that, uh, that you don't see when you attend the church. And I don't necessarily mean nefarious things at all. Right, Just, of course, of course. We're all human, and sometimes the things that, the, the, the face that we put forward to people to see in the world, you know, our Instagram version of ourselves, is not always right. what's actually happening behind the scenes. And so I saw a lot of that at this church. Um, and again, not necessarily in a bad way, just in a, an eye-opening way. Of course. And of I think course. the the big tipping point for me uh, near the end was that job ended. I, I ended up, uh, this is when Stillmeyer Games started to take off, and I decided to, to uh, focus on that career instead of uh, the career as the director of operations at this church. And I had a choice then, was I going to continue going to church or not? And it was around that time that uh, I, I started to disconnect with the experience of attending church. Mm -hmm. uh, at Catholic churches, there are a lot, there's lots of singing and chanting, and I've kind of gone through those rhythms through my whole life. They're very comfortable. I could, I could go into church right now, and I would not have to think about it, and I could say all those words. Yeah. Um, but I kind of realized that I wasn't, if I thought about many of those words that I was saying, that they weren't actually connecting with how I feel or necessarily what I believe. Um, mm -hmm. And that kind of was a, a wake up moment for me. Like, why am I saying these things over and over again if I don't necessarily believe them? Right. Anyway, that's a long story. I, I, maybe you have some thoughts or questions, but yeah, that, that's, that was the tipping point for me to maybe stop going to church and focus more on who I am as a person and who I wanted to be as a publisher rather than who I wanted to be on Sundays. Yeah, yeah, that, well said, well said. No, thanks for sharing. And I, I completely, yeah. Uh, understand and hear that and yes I, I don't I don't hear that as as you said any kind of judgment at all it's anything that that's uh, uh, Kevin and I come out of the Methodist uh, United Methodist Church and that's certainly been mm -hmm. I think the experience we have found in United Methodist churches probably you know any church as well that when you actually work for the church whatever it is um, it just it's a different experience than when you just attend worship there <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so yeah yeah so i can i can understand so then how thank you for sharing that so so how would you say then that background has shaped or your philosophy now spirituality now has shaped your work as a publisher or or a designer of board games yeah um and this is partially spirituality this is partially i think my who my parents are it's partially who i have decided i i want to be um uh and uh, Stomar Games, we, we try really, really hard to make our games accessible, inclusive, and to treat other people the way that we want to be treated. And a lot of those are philosophies that you see in a lot of different religions. Um, and so I, my goal is to bring joy to tabletops worldwide. And a lot of that is about finding ways to get our, our games to people, but also when people have our games or don't have our games, just treating them with, with love and respect um, 
every day and everything that I say. And so I think while I don't actively think like I'm doing this because of uh, what I read in the Bible or what I, I, I learned in, in, um, in, in, in Sunday school, I think a lot of that has bled over. I, I, I've seen what it's like to not treat people that way. I, I myself have not always treated that, people that way. There will be days when I don't treat people that way at all, but I always come back to that. And it's nice to have that centering focus of uh, trying to treat people well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a uh, yeah. That's great. I I um, thank you. That's something that I have uh, noticed and appreciated about your communication on social media um, and in other places as well. That there's always a very respectful um, um, and uh, affirming uh, message that comes out of Stonemeyer and out of your social media. Um, and appreciate that intentionality about just kind of being accessible and inclusive to as many folks as possible. And uh, so that comes through and well done uh, from, from an outsider's perspective on that. That's, that's great. That's great. Thank you. Um, yeah. No, I, um, it, some of your, your, um, your games um, that um, I have some aspects of your games that I've especially appreciated about that, that I, I, for me at least comes through, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but yeah. I, I've heard you speak before about how much you value positive player interaction, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I've thought about that before that, I mean, in a way that's kind of a, it seems to reflect maybe almost kind of a spiritual value, the sense of I'm going to do something that benefits my neighbor too, you know, and uh -huh. versus like taking away, tearing down my neighbor. And I, how intentional are you about kind of creating mechanisms like that, that, that kind of, uh, that, line up with this sort of philosophy of, of positivity and respect and affirmation. I, I love the way you said that. And, and you're right. It, it is um, one of my, that's one of my favorite things in games when there's positive player interaction, especially in a competitive game where I'm trying to win, I'm trying to have the most points, but I do this thing that I know will benefit other people too. That feels mm -hmm. good to me. Those are some of my favorite moments in games that when, when I'm playing and I can do something that feels good, feels clever. Um, but I also get to benefit other people. And it is, inten it, it is intentional in the designs, but oftentimes I find that uh, they are the types of moments and types of mechanisms that I have to stumble into through lots of playtesting. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. I, I could definitely remember a moment designing Euphoria where there was, there was a moment of, hey, this is easier if we work together in this moment right now, mm -hmm. even though in general we're competing. And it was kind of a magical moment during a play test where I was like, oh, wow, this, this really worked. I, I didn't know if it actually worked that way or if people would actually cooperate. But it was it is kind of magical to see that people's instincts can be in the right setting, in the right environment, can be to cooperate and work together, even when we're all, all living our own lives and, and trying to achieve our own goals. That's great. That's great. Yeah. We, we've talked before on this, ep on this podcast about how in some ways games can kind of be like miniature practice, mini practice moments for, for a larger life skills. And uh, yeah. yeah, that's a great way of, of describing it. The, the, the other mechanism that I think goes along with this in, in at least a couple of your games that I know that I really love is um, the, the between two games yeah. and where, where your, where your final score is the low score that, that you share with your, with your neighbor, the lowest score. And I have, uh -huh. I have praised that mechanism to so many people because it's like, <laughs> what is the message of that? The message is if I want to win, I've got to try by darndest to make sure that all of my neighbors win too. And just, that's so cool. Yeah. I, I love that. The message of that mechanism. And I don't know how intentional that was as well, but is that something you kind of stumbled into as well? Or were you, did you approach that with kind of a, a, uh, like I want to I want to make a game that says this or you know how how did you stumble into that? 
Really, that full credit for that one goes to designers Ben and Matthew for, for thinking of that. Um, okay. They, I had never even conceived that that was a possible okay, okay. mechanism. And they, they pitched between two cities to me. And I was like, wow, that, that really works. And it's also yeah, great yeah. for communication because you really need to actively communicate with these two people. And the two people, the person on your left and your and your right, they don't actually care about each other. They are competing to almost yeah. indirectly. They are competing with each other, whereas you are trying to work with both of them. Um, that is a tough challenge, a tough communication challenge. And this is a game that we send to a lot of schools because I think it does aid communication skills. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's like your role as well as kind of a, 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 a negotiator, an in-between sort of yeah. person too. That's, so I, I know we're coming close to the end of our time here. Are there any um, matters in terms of kind of the, the global board game publishing industry that you feel kind of matters of spirituality, your philosophy kind of impacts as well? Uh, you know, I talk about accessibility and inclusivity, and that's a big umbrella. And it's it's um, some of the challenges I, I've found in that is that uh, the way that we might include someone in St. Louis might feel very different in terms of how we can include someone in France or Australia or Japan. Um, and so that has been a, uh, uh, a challenge over the last few years in navigating how to best do that, how to include everybody when we're probably just going to make one copy of the game. Like we're not going to make uh, other than different language versions. And that is a way to include people, make different language versions for different languages. Yeah. But um, it has opened my eyes a lot to um, cultural sensitivity and being more aware of how different cultures view different images, different words. Um, and uh, it's a it's. I'm learning as I go. Like, I don't think this is, you know, there isn't a uh, one final answer to it. It's it's uh, just pay attention. I try to I try to ask questions. I try to listen more than I talk if I can. Maybe not on today's podcast, but I try to do that. That's and uh, hopefully that's reflected in, in our games. It, I, absolutely. Yeah, well, it, it certainly seems that way to me. And uh, yeah, and Jamie, thank, thank you for being willing to to uh, to talk a little bit today. And um, we really appreciate your, your your sharing your time. This has been a great um, uh, conversation, great moments together. And if people want to find yeah. you on the internet, find out more about you, where can they find you? Yeah, so all the different things that we talked about today are found on StoneMeyerGames.com. Um, that's where you'll find the YouTube channel if you're curious about game design. You'll find the blog if you're interested in entrepreneurship and crowdfunding. And you can find all of our games there too if you're interested in checking out some games. Great, yeah, great. Well, Jamie, thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate your being on the podcast today. Um, thank you to our listeners. Thanks for tuning in. It is it is such a gift and a joy that you would uh, share uh, a few moments out of your day with us. And uh, and Kevin, I hope you're feeling better. We we uh, we hope you're feeling better soon. So, all right, we'll talk. Uh, we'll see you all again soon. And uh, and have a great day. Bye bye. Thank you. Thanks, Danny.